It's Friday, everybody. It's Friday. Happy Friday to you. My name is Tim Harris. It's 10 o'clock on Friday, beautiful Friday. And uh, anyway, I'm excited to be with you this morning. I hope it's a, been a good week. I know it's been a good week in the Word for us. We're in the book of Acts and picking up in the middle of chapter 5 today. Chapter 5, I said verse 17, but I really didn't talk about 12 to 16. Let me back up. Acts chapter 5, let's start in verse 12 together, because there are a couple of strange things here in this little passage. First off, just notice it's another one of those uh, big summary statements that Luke likes to include. This is the third big summary statement. This one really focuses on the healing ministry. It seems to be in response to that earlier prayer, was that back in chapter 4, uh, where uh, the, the uh, apostles you know, asked for power for signs and wonders. And this seems to be the divine response to that request. Here's the power, here are the signs and wonders. And it's really pretty amazing. Um, verses 12 and 13, 14, right there. It's just strange. And honestly, in the Greek, it's hard to know what we're saying here. It kind of sounds like they're saying... You know, uh, all the believers, you know, were out there, Solomon's colonnade, but nobody else would go out there because there was too many people. You know, it's like, well, if nobody went, how were there so many people? <laughs> and this is what it sounds like. You know, nobody would dare go out there and join them, you know, because there were so many people joining them. You know, what are we talking about here? Uh, I, I think that that tension there is uh, is intentional, uh, uh, no pun intended, Um it's the idea that this power of the Spirit attracts people, and so they hold the Christian movement in high regard. Again, if this is in any way a document written for Paul's later legal defense, Luke continues to stress, man, you know, this group, this movement has been in high regard by the people. Uh, so I think Luke wants to stress that again, but but also and especially following that you know shocking death of Ananias and Sapphira by the Spirit, I think there is this sense of yeah people are drawn to that power, but also they they many of them keep a healthy distance because uh, there's fear associated with that power, and 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 while some people have a positive regard, they hesitate fully to surrender and submit to that power because there is a, a real uh, fear of God there uh, that I think is appropriate and uh, and people recognize the price of that commitment. So the numbers continue to grow. And again, the, uh, the, the general reputation is favorable and positive, but but not everybody runs and joins for that simple reason that you have to count the cost. Do you understand what I'm saying? Also, this idea of, you know, Peter's shadow falling across people uh, as he went by. Uh, there isn't, it doesn't say that those people got healed. That is a reference to an ancient superstition regarding the, the power of a person's shadow, especially in a, in a powerful person. Their shadow would carry their, their power. This is like that woman back in the Gospels that just wanted to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. You know, the idea that the power, almost in a magical sense, could be transferred by the hem of the garment or by the shadow, you know. Um, in this case, again, it like I say, it doesn't really say that that's, that got them healed. It's another reference to the fact that people on the fringe of the movement still recognize the power of the apostles. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? So this, this high regard, this, this incredible 
you know, growing acclaim once more renews the concern of the Sadducees and leads to the second arrest. This time of, of all the apostles, if I'm reading correctly, now all the apostles are brought into the jail for trial and so they are, they are held there. Of course, the amazing thing is an angel comes and opens the doors. Is that what it says? The jail was securely locked with the guard standing outside, but when we opened the gates, no one was there. You know, it's that amazing way in which um, the Lord, the angel of the Lord just opens up the prison and they walk out. Uh, notice verse 20, go to the temple, the angel says, and give the people this message of life. You know, go, go preach life once more. Uh, and so, uh, again, this reminds me of that verse in Revelation where it says God will, you know, uh, open a door that nobody can shut. You know, they are locked in the prison doors there, but uh, those prison doors are not in any way able to block you know, what God wants them to do. And so they are free. And so the next morning they're out there, uh, you know, preaching in the temple courts and the high priests and Sadducees are like, what, you know? Um, and so uh, once more they are called in for a, for an interrogation. Um, it's really pretty uh, amazing here. Uh, for me, I think what, what, what is striking is the way that, um, the apostles, the early church has a very simple understanding of who they are and what they're doing. And it's found right there in verse 32. No, no, yeah, verse 32, where it says, we're witnesses. Uh, we're witnesses. They have a very clear sense of who they are, what they're doing. We're witnesses of these things. The Holy Spirit, you know, is, is given to us by God, you know, out of a, because of our obedience. You know, we are witnesses. Um, gosh, Again, I lead a fine church. I love my congregation so well, but I think our church, I can say, and I think most churches, we suffer from what I would call uh, intention deficit disorder, like in, not attention, intention. Uh, in other words, I, I'm not sure we always know exactly who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. And for that reason, we find ourselves trying to do other things or being very unclear about what it is that God has called us to do. And for that reason, sometimes the church becomes uh, an institution that is simply just trying to make the pastor happy, you know, God help us, or just to make the membership happy. You know, again, as a pastor, you know, if, if I deal with people who have complaints or criticisms, it's mostly because in one way or the other, the church has failed to make them happy. Um, you can know a lot about what people think the church is about by paying attention to what they complain about. And rarely, if ever, I guess I could say never has, you know, somebody come to me and said, Pastor Tim, we're not reaching the community, you, you know. I'm afraid that, that that outsiders, you know, aren't, you know, aren't getting the message, you, you know. I mean, nobody's ever complained about that. They complain about other things, mostly our failure to make them happy. And, and again, I just remind you that, that at this point in the early church, they have a very clear sense of what they're here to do. I mean, the angel told them, right? You know, go out to the temple and give the people this message of life. I mean, that, that's our mission, right? Go to the people. Go out to where the people are and, uh, and share this message of, of, of life. Uh, gosh, I wish that we could become that focused and that clear once more about who we are and what we're called to do. Um, I also just can't help noticing that in this passage, uh, God just continues to open these doors, of course, but also at the same time, every time there's an open door, 
you know, an opportunity to step forward into obedience, there, I guess, is always an equal opportunity to go the other way. But every single time God opens a new door, the apostles walk straight through it with boldness and obedience. And, and, and I love that. What I'm saying is, in this little passage we're reading today, I, I see that they have at least four opportunities to quit. You know, at, at least four opportunities just to quit. Not the least of which is at the very end of the story. And, and don't miss this, where it just says in verse 40, they called the apostles in one, one more time and had them flogged. They had them flogged. Just so you know, the, the Jewish flogging here, it's, again, this is all they could do. Rome doesn't give them the freedom to put people to death so they can flog them. But a lot of people died in flogging. It's, it, it's 40 lashes with, a, with, a, with a, 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 a triple strap, you know, leather whip. So the, so the three straps. Um, it's 40 lashes minus one. So they really only get 39 so that you know that God is merciful. You know, go figure. So they give you thirty-nine lashes with a with a with a three uh, th- th- three uh, strap whip, uh, bare chested. You're you're kneeling, and they would alternate. I think two on the back and one on the chest. Two on the back, one on the chest, thirty-nine times. Uh, and uh, as I say, uh, some people didn't survive that. But I find it amazing that the apostles are flogged, and at the end of that, they come out rejoicing. Like, who does that? <laughs> you know, uh, as I said, it's a good opportunity to quit if if you need a good reason. That would probably be thirty nine reasons why I could quit. But they come out praising God. They saw Jesus crucified die for them, and now they're thinking we must be on the right track. You know, because the same people who hated him hate us now, and the same people who wanted to kill him would kill us if they could. You know. Uh, backing up there, I love Gamal there. I think Gamal will learn is one of Paul's mentors, but Gamal's the one who says, you know, uh, if, 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 if what they're doing is coming from them, it's going to fizzle out. But if it doesn't fizzle, then if God's behind it, then we'd be fighting God. You know, my goodness, once more, a religious leader speaks more truth than he could possibly ever actually know. But uh, at any rate, one more time, they warn him, they flog him turn them loose, but all they do is walk straight back out and begin preaching once more, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is the Messiah. And uh, man, I love them. Uh, I want to think that if I were one of them then, I'd be just like them, but I don't know. I'm not much like them now, you know, are you? You know, I mean, again, we like to think, man, that's our people. That's a church. That's what the church is. But, you know, we're the same people that, you know, we almost want to cancel if it's cold or raining, you know, so I, I don't know if we take the lashes, you know, the whipping, uh, with praise as these disciples do. They, uh, man, God opens doors. They walk through them with boldness. And uh, honestly, that's that's who the church is. That's who we are and that's what we do. God help us. Um, anyway, that's it. That's a good week in the word. We'll pick up right here in chapter six. Uh, first deacons, perhaps. We'll talk about that. Acts chapter six, verses one to 15 for Monday morning, okay? If you don't have a church home, Sunday morning, eight, nine, 30, 11 here at Woodburn Baptist Church, I'm starting a new sermon series entitled, I Have My Doubts. I want to uh, sort of drag that out into the open and give all of us an opportunity to have a conversation about how sometimes faith is difficult and sometimes, indeed, faith is actually messy. Uh, let's talk about what it means when sometimes we as believers find ourselves doubting. That Sunday morning, new series starts at 8, 8 9, 30, and 11. I love you all so much. Thank you for a good week in the Word. I look forward to next week and every single day that we're together at 10 o'clock for 10 with Tim. I, I love you. Have a great Friday.